transmitiendo nuestra comunidad al mundo. for joining us once again for the Santa Cruz County School Superintendent's Educational Forum. As we have in the previous two weeks before, we continue to celebrate, celebrate February as Early Childhood Education Awareness Month. Uh, we've already had a million activities uh, and we keep going. Uh, once again, this, is, this space, the Educational Forum, is so that the Santa Cruz County School Superintendent Alfredo Velasquez can shed light on the wonderful things that we're doing here in Santa Cruz County. And then February as Early Childhood Education Awareness Month is so that we can work with the, dif the different organizations that are involved in early childhood development and education, and also provide resources, provide training to everyone who's involved with early childhood education. And today is no different. We're extremely excited, very lucky to, to, to have two leaders here uh, in the medical field in Santa Cruz County for, for early childhood. We have today with us Dr. Tanya Henry and Dr. Philip Williams. Um, well, thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Chris. Um, I'm sure this will be one of our most watched episodes because everybody wants to hear from you guys, right? There's a million questions, especially now with everything we've gone, been going through for the past two years. Um, I just want to real quickly, uh, Mariposa, Dr. Pereira, Dr. Williams, Dr. Henry, um, during these two years have been extremely supportive to our schools, extremely supportive to our families. Uh, when you talk about leadership, uh, Mar Mariposa and their staff has, re has really stepped up and been leaders in our community when it comes to things that we should be or should not be, or recommendations for COVID. So I really want to thank you guys for that. It's a really big deal for our community. And uh, we aren't going to go away from the COVID topic. One thing that's come out that we've seen in schools and in, in the society in general is just the re-socialization of, of us as a community and, and what it's like to be with people again. And that hasn't hit anywhere harder than the early childhood group, the zero to five. Um, you know, going back and, and being back with the other toddlers or, or going back to preschool or kindergarten, it can be really stressful for a kid once they've been home, home uh, for so much time. So I'd like to start with you, Dr. Henry. Could you talk to us a little bit about the re-socialization 
of of little ones yeah sure definitely so i know it's a topic that's on a lot of people's minds i've heard the phrase covid babies <laughs> kind of like being tossed around a lot of kids you know were born during the pandemic and are coming of age during the pandemic um, i think there's a real concern on the part of parents as how to socialize their children um, fortunately there's many things that can be done at home you know while waiting for kids to enter school there's different ways that parents or their siblings can interact with younger children um, one of the good things to notice is that um, kids brains are very plastic they're very elastic you know they change really easily and so, so even if a child spent the first two years of their life in the home, not seeing other children, um, there's still time to kind of socialize them. There's still time to kind of um, help their brain to become <laughs> what it needs to become. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And one of the things that we always preach during this month is that a child's brain, 90% of it is developed uh from zero to five mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so it's a big deal but you're saying we still got time we yeah can... yeah we definitely still have so in fact a lot of things that we can do at home so for instance just you as your parent socializing with your child you know speaking with your child as much as possible um interacting them with them on a daily basis and you can even do this you know while you are working from home for people that are working from home you know while your child is is playing with their toys you can be working with them a little smile at them will go a long way. A little, hey, I like what you're doing over there will go a long way. And the good thing to remember is that a lot of times before the age of two, kids really prefer to play with them, play by themselves. <laughs> and okay. so um, a lot of times, yeah, when kids are, by the time they're two years old, they're still doing something called parallel play. So you could see two two-year-olds playing. They're both having an equally fun time, but they're not really playing with each other. They might be looking at each other every now and then, but they're not really playing together. And so that's, <laughs> that's okay. Okay, okay. Well, good, good. And Dr. Williams, um, there's been quite a bit of stuff, quite a bit of things said, you know, about the vaccine, about just the medical issues that came with COVID. Um, what should parents of children zero to five, uh, what should they really be focusing on when it comes to the health of their children during these times? It's a great question. You know, first, I just want to give a quick update on the vaccine for kids under the age of five. Things have actually changed within the last couple of weeks and really just within the last week. So I'm sure you've heard in the news that um, they have been doing research for a while for vaccines for kids six months to five years old. And, you know, um, reports initially in November and December said that, uh, you know, we probably won't see a vaccine in that age group until the late spring or the summer. And then roughly two to three weeks ago, it was announced that it seems like that it actually may come out a, a, a lot, lot sooner. So, you know, they've been doing a lot of research and um, um, we've seen that the antibody response for kids six months to two years has been very, very good. It's been very robust immune response, meaning that Kids in that age group have produced a high number of antibodies to help, to, to help fight the virus or infection. The problem, though, is that kids in the three to four age group didn't develop as robust an immune response as we would have hoped. So what that means is that they're now looking, they're doing research of, of a third dose for, for specifically those kids that are three and, and, four, and four years old. And, you know, you may have read that, you know, um, a couple of weeks ago, they announced that probably starting next week, they would actually ship out vaccines for, for that age group. But there's been a little bit of, of, of a pause and they actually want to see what the numbers look like and, and specifically kids for that, that, that third dose. 
So um, basically, we don't know, know exactly when, but there will be a little bit of a delay in vaccines for that, for that age group. But, you know, we, of course, recommend, you know, vaccine is by far the most important thing we can do and really the best way to fight the virus. So, of course, we'll see what the, the numbers um, look like when they're released. But, you know, in, in almost all cases, you know, once it's FDA approved and CDC approved, we will recommend vaccines for that age group from six months to, 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 to five years old. Okay. And women that are pregnant? Also, great question. We definitely recommend it for pregnant women as well for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is that, um, you know, uh, there is antibody protection from the pregnant moms to the baby. So pregnant moms do actually pass over antibodies to the babies. And especially newborn babies, of course, there is no vaccine for kids un under six months. So, of course, we really need to make sure that we get the, those newborns vaccinated. Um, or we need to get those newborns protected. And the best way to do that, of course, is vaccinating, uh, vaccinating moms. In addition to the benefits for babies, it's also really important for protection for moms. You know, moms are essentially, you know, their, their immune system is a little different than, than the non-pregnant moms. Um, so we want to make sure that they also are, 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 are vaccinated. And, you know, another thing in terms of pregnancy, um, you know, when you have, um, you know, baby growing inside, it basically pushes up on, on, on your diaphragm. So essentially, the lung function or the amount of, of space that the lungs have to, to, to expand is less in, in, in pregnant moms. So, you know, if they were to get COVID, um, you know, studies have shown that they may have a worse outcome. So, again, the best way to protect pregnant moms and also babies is to, to get vaccinated. Okay. So, are there any recommendations on helping your child get a shot? Let me give you my, my story. So, my children were... were vaccinated and one of them you know he had the usual crying and hold them tight and then the other one i don't know if you've ever fished for halibut but they're a very large fish and you try to make them not move before you get him in the boat this was as if i had a halibut in my arms that i couldn't hit over the head right it was my daughter going crazy so how do i prepare my a, a young child when they know that they're going to get poked with this needle Started, yeah, sure. So I think that it depends. <laughs> Each child is very, very different. Um, I would say that, you know, in terms of the actual poke, you know, it's usually minimal, you know, in terms of the actual pain. But what, what, what is the major issue is that kind of anticipation. So, for instance, for my son, I have a nine-year-old. When he was little, you know, if I told him, hey, you're going to get a vaccine, just him thinking about it would create so much anxiety. Mm -hmm. That anticipation was far worse than the actual shot. So for him, to be quite honest, we, we, didn't, we didn't tell him. We just said, hey, you're going to go see your doctor. And then, you know, the nurse wouldn't say anything. You know, she wouldn't say, hey, hey, buddy, you're about to get a shot. She literally, you know, you'd just still be there. And then we just hold him really quick. And she would just, you know, give him an injection. And then he'd look down and say, oh, my gosh, wait, what had just happened? And then, you know, he may cry just and out of. hates you afterwards. Yeah, right. But, um, you know, but for, for the most part, you know, um, you know, for other kids, though, you know, that kind of rationalization may be important. Um, for instance, my nephews, I helped to raise them when I was in, in college and med school. And for them, especially one of them, he was so cerebral, you really had to explain everything. So for him, I mean, we made diagrams, we explained what was going to happen, we talked about he's going to be protected from all these diseases. So of course, he was a little bit scared when he got the vaccine, but for him, that approach worked better. So I think there is no, you know, it's, it's not necessarily black or white. I think each kid may, may require a different approach. 
Yeah, I think I agree. I think I think there are some kids who the anticipation is just kind of too much for them. Um, the other thing that I think is really important is that once you decide that you're going to give the vaccine, I, one of the things I recommend is to have a very good kind of hold on the child. <laughs> the hold that I recommend the most is kind of like a big hug, right. kind of like you're sitting in your lap. You know, their legs are possibly in between your legs. Just cross your leg over, give a big hug around these arms, you know, and so but give enough space for, you know, the vaccine to take place because the faster we can kind of kind of stabilize the child in one position, the faster the vaccine, the faster we can get out of the chair, get our toys, get our books, get our, you know, the things that we want. Um, that's uh, just having a good hold is, 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 is a truly a good thing. The other thing I recommend is for a lot of things that kids don't want to do is if, if this, then, then that. So for instance, oh, okay, if you get your shot, you're getting your book right after you. If you get your shot, I'm, you're getting a toy. Cause we always give toys anyway. When you guys come to the clinic, we always give toys. If they're for a physical and they're between the age of six months to six years, you always get a book, but we can sweeten the deal by saying, Hey, we have like two toys for you waiting. You get your shot, you get your toys. And a lot of times that will help too. Okay. Okay. And so you mentioned the clinic. So if I'm a parent of a, a young child and I'm going to go out, let's say I'm going to, I have an appointment with one of you two, what do you recommend? What's the safest way? Should they be wearing a mask? Can they wear the mask? You know how difficult it is to keep a mask on a two-year-old, right? Yeah. What, would, what are the recommendations for, do we sanitize the hands? So let's, from house to clinic, what, what should we be doing? Yeah, I think we recommend that, that moms and dads add to their, I mean, I think all moms and dads have probably a to-go kit, you know, that has what your child needs, your snacks, your milk, you know, um, clothing changes, different things like that. And I think most of the parents I've seen also now have hand sanitizer in that pack <laughs> and also can have extra gloves, extra masks. We recommend at least two masks. So if your child, one falls on the floor or something like that, you have one. We also have extra masks in the clinic to give for both children and adults, and we're happy to give those away. If your child is two years and above, we definitely recommend trying to have them wear a mask just for their own protection and for the protection of others. Um, in the past, yes, it's difficult for children to wear masks, but I know a lot of kids nowadays that actually won't go outside without their mask. Um, when they sit on the exam table, I say, can you take your mask down so I can check your mouth? And they say, no. No, thank you. <laughs> and so I'm seeing a lot of that. Yeah. So if your child can wear a mask, definitely, definitely strongly recommended. And <laughs> so do you think, you know, these kids, these COVID kids, do you think that this is obviously in early childhood, we talk about trauma and the things that affect you when you're little, they stay with you. Have you heard of any kind of predictions or things that'll things that these kids are learning right now that will stay with them as they move forward? Like, are they gonna wash their hands more than we do? <laughs> I mean, Yes, it's a great question. So, you know, I think in terms of public health, it really has been put at, at the forefront now. Um, you know, all the things we're talking about, like, you know, hand hygiene, wearing a mask, you know, being really diligent about not trying to spread viruses or infections, I, I think is, is a positive consequence of, the, of, of this, this pandemic because it really is making kids more aware. Um, you know, before, for instance, you know, um, you know, in 2020, 2021, our flu season, especially in 2020, was pretty much not non-existent. Meaning right. that, you know, I think I saw maybe one kid with flu mm -hmm. the whole year. Where normally, you know, the the years prior, we would have a lot, a lot per day, right? So I think that you know, we know that masks work, and I think kids have picked up on that. That hey, I know that if I do this, I probably won't get as sick. Um, so I think, you know, I think that, that definitely it, it, it's one positive thing. Yeah. 
another thing, I, you know, a lot of people are worried, you know, my child is growing up without kind of in a strange time without these normal social interactions, you know, they're not seeing my whole face. People are wearing masks all the time. So there's lots of studies out there that are looking at how kids are reacting to this. And studies are showing that kids are still able to pretty accurately predict, you know, how another person is feeling towards them, even though they're wearing a mask, you know, able to recognize their parents, you know, they're able to kind of like not inhibit their social interactions with their parents or um, because of the masks. And so it hasn't been shown to have like a detrimental effect. Um, the other thing, speaking of a lack of socialization that you mentioned, um, there has been some studies showing that kiddos that are growing up in COVID, um, when they're in the stage of being an infant, they are sometimes having decreased scores in various markers of their development as reported by their parents in various studies. The good news is that by the time the children are two or two and a half, usually those differences are going away and, and the children's development is on, on, peer, on par with their development had they not been part of a pandemic. And so the children's brains are so elastic that like we said, we just have to keep the stimulation going as, as much as we can, whether that's at home, whether that's, you know, um, in the park, whether that's at school. Um, but I want parents to be reassured that a lot of these effects that we're seeing earlier on are, are getting better as kids get bigger. Okay. Okay. So there's, so we're going to be okay. <laughs> I think we're right? going to be okay. We're going to, we're going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, we have to remember to all take care of ourselves. We talked about, um, you know, COVID and the pregnant women, COVID vaccines and the pregnant women, but there's a lot of studies that show when people are super stressed and anxious during their pregnancy, it does affect, you know, how their baby's brain develops. And that's not, not related to COVID. So I think we all have to be very aware and take care of ourselves and take care of each other, you know, during this time to help decrease our stress levels, decrease our anxiety levels and keep ourselves healthy, you know, for our, our babies and for our children. And I would just also, I think you said it perfectly, Dr. Henry. You know, we also still have to remember, though, that in terms of socialization, we are still in a pandemic. Even though the, the, um, the rates of infection have been decreasing over the last few weeks, you know, we still are in that, that high range. So, you know, we, of course, always want to have that in the back of your mind that, um, you know, obviously don't have playdates, especially if someone is, is, is sick. If you are going to have other people outside of your nuclear family over to the house, of course, you, you know, if possible, want to try to make sure that they're vaccinated. Um, you know, we do still recommend that they wear a mask, even if they're playing, you know, inside or outside with someone with someone else, not outside and not, not outside of their family. So there's something to, to always remember. Yeah. And to kind of step away, you know, getting back into just some normal things. Um, at your clinic, um, what types of things you offer as a parent? If I'm going to go to the Mariposa Clinic, what what am I look? What will I be receiving? As far as as far as I guess I should say, if I have a young child and I need the what shots should I have them for? What what types of things should I be doing with you at Mariposa? Yeah, so there's two main types of visits that we have at Mariposa. There's our what we call established visit or our health maintenance visit. So that's like your your, your physical exam. So, you know, there's the American Academy of Pediatrics has it clearly laid out what age, uh, age range someone should, should get a physical. So they'll have either their physical or they can have what's called an acute visit or a visit whenever they're sick or they have a, a specific complaint. Um, so in our pediatricians, of course, we, we, we do it all. You know, we see kids, um, some of us up until they're, they're tw 21 years old. So, you know, so expect to, to see your pediatrician on, on, a, on a regular basis. One of the most important things that we do is to make sure that um, your kids are developing properly. And one way we do that is through a, a, a physical. 
So, you know, I have a lot of patients parents ask me, ah, you know, I just saw you three months ago. Do, do I need to see you again? Well, yeah, because I, again, I want to make sure that you are meeting all of your milestones. And if you're not, then we'll talk about kind of what, what, what we do from there. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Definitely and it true. can be very unnerving with a young child <laughs> and the fact that you don't know, you know, maybe there aren't twins that like our girls didn't speak as soon as maybe other kids. They had their own language. So they were communicating, but it wasn't English or Spanish. It was something else, right? It was a twin talk. And so it, it helps a lot to come with somebody like one of you two to explain to us, no, you're okay. You, it's going to be fine. It's going to work out. Or recommend somebody that, that, that could work with them, right? Yeah, and just so everybody knows, there are also a lot of great resources online or on even your phone. One resource I frequently recommend to my parents is called the CDC Milestone Tracker. It is a free application for your phone. I'm looking at you guys right now. <laughs> CDC Milestone Tracker. It's free. Um, the information is present in both English and Spanish. And basically, if you input the age of your child, it tells you what your child should be doing at this time. It helps you walk through the development and lets you know, is your child on track? Should you be worried? Should you see your pediatrician? Things like that. So it helps, I think, to kind of educate yourselves to have that resource to know, what should I be worried? Should I not? That being said, you still need to come in for your visits at two, four, six, nine months, 12 months, 15, 18 months, 24 months. We need to see you. Um, but I want you to have the tools at home to kind of um, be educated as well. There's another website I love called healthychildren.org. It is the American Academy of Pediatrics website for parents. It'll take you from prenatal all the way to teenage years. And it's available in both English and Spanish. Perfect. That's, that's a lot of good information, <laughs> right? And I know you guys are super busy, so we'll wind it up. But is there anything else you guys would like to mention before we sign off? Um, just that, you know, in terms of healthcare with, with parents, especially early on, it really is a partnership. We really do want to work with our moms. You know, we really do appreciate your feedback. The more feedback that you give us, the, the better. So, you know, if you have any concerns, obviously bring, bring it to us. We're always here for questions. You know, one good thing about living in a small town is that really we are very accessible. You know, I mean, you know, I see people all over, all over town. Sometimes and, a little too accessible. No, I see it Safeway. And, it's, it's our job, right? It's our job. People ask me questions all the time. And, you know, I, I always say that that is a good thing, right? When people stop asking you questions is when you should really worry because that means they don't value what you're saying. So we are always available. If you ever see any of us, you know, come to the clinic, see us, see us wherever we are. We're happy to answer any questions. Yeah, yeah. And I just want to let people know, um, just in case you're new to the community, uh, Mariposa does have Saturday Clinic available for pediatric patients. It's Saturday from 9 uh, to 1, and it's every Saturday unless there's a major holiday. If it's a major holiday, just check the Mariposa website and it will tell you whether or not we're open. But otherwise, we're open for walk-ins, same-day visits um, on Saturdays between 9 and 1. The other thing I need people to know is um, if you are worried it's 2 o'clock in the morning, you're not sure if you need to go to the ER or something happened with your child, you can always call Mariposa the regular phone line, 520-281-1550, and you can reach an on-call nurse, okay? This on-call nurse is ready to answer your questions and to give you good medical information to let you know what needs to happen with your child right then and there. So we're always here for you. <laughs> Just call us. One other resource, you know, is our, what we call our patient portal. So um, it's a, basically a method that you can communicate um, directly with, with your provider team, so our medical assistants and also to, to your physician. So next time you come to Mary Pulsa, please ask about our patient portal. Yes. Patient portal, okay. It's like sending a secure email to your provider anytime you want. 
Well, so, and then, yeah, exactly. And so the locations for Mariposa, you have one in Rio Rico, right? Kind of by Garrett's out there, mm -hmm. right? And then you're here on Mastic, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Are there any other locations or sites that we should know about? Yeah, we do. We have actually five total locations. So we have uh, Terry Kalunga, who is an adult provider who sees adult patients in Tubac. You mentioned our Rio Rico location that actually has uh, dental, it has pediatrics, it has adult medicine, and it also has behavioral health. We actually have two locations in Nogales. We have what's called our main campus, um, right there on Mastic Way. And that we offer every, every service I just mentioned. And then also what we call Nogales West is right next to the hospital. It used to be Coronalette Medical Group. Um, they also have, um, have an adult doctor and also two great, um, uh, actually they're family doctors, so they see all ages. And we have two nurse practitioners also who see, who see kids and adults of uh, really any age. And then we have a location in Patagonia is our last location. And they do the same to Penniston, CEC's kids and adults. Yeah. And speaking of that, we do have two new pediatric providers um, at Mariposa. So we have Dr. Robles, Alfonso Robles. He is a Nogales native. He is an amazing pediatrician. Great. And then we have Dr. Magnuson. And she is in the Rio Rico Clinic. She has many years of practice expertise. And so they're wonderful pediatric providers. And so, yep, just want to put that out there as well. Perfect. So you're everywhere. You're accessible <laughs> online, by phone, any any time of the day, and you have five different locations. Perfect. Well, well, thank you for what you do for our community, uh, and and thank you, thank you, thank you for everything that you guys did during. Well, we're still going through the pandemic, right? But you've done up up till now uh, with the pandemic. We know you together with the county, uh, the vaccination rates in our county were were pretty impressive. So thank you so much for all the hard work that you guys did uh, working on that. And thank you to everyone joining us again. Um, like I said, we had some really special guests today. And thank you once again for joining us with the Santa Cruz County School Superintendent's Educational Forum. Thank you.